Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our Sunday morning series, The Undeserved. Closing it out is our very own Pastor Omar Lopez in a message entitled, Undeserved Praise. Enjoy this message. Come on, give God a big praise today. You can be seated this morning. We're glad you're here. We welcome all of you. And uh, we appreciate those that are watching online, number of people online today. And we're just grateful today that uh, you've come to church and uh, decided to come to reach Paramount today. Aren't you glad you're here? Well, why don't you turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. <clears throat> you guys are jumping ahead of me already, right? You guys are already doing it. That's all right. Uh, we're in the final message of our series, The Undeserved. And uh, what we've been trying to communicate is basically that because of the grace of God, because of His mercy, even despite all of our accomplishments, everything we've ever done in life, and we've probably done some great things, compared to the grace of God and what Jesus has done, we're still undeserved. And when we look in Scripture, God still chooses to use us despite all of our shortcomings. And probably most of us know who the Apostle Paul is. Most of us are familiar with who he is and what he accomplished. But when we look back at Paul the Apostle, before he became the Apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus and he was a Pharisee. And he was the persecutor of the church of God. He afflicted people and put them in jail. And in the book of Philippians, I'm going to be ministering out of that chapter, actually Philippians chapter 4. But I want to give you context to all of this today. That Paul called himself a servant of God, even though he was this great apostle and God had done miraculous things through his life. He still said, I'm just a servant of God. And I'm going to read a little bit of here, and then we're going to pray. First Timothy uh, chapter, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, first, uh, did I say First Timothy? Amen. Or book of Philippians, I'm sorry. He says this. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He said, he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. Look at that. He was, I used to blaspheme his name. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. So again, this is, this is Paul talking about how he did all of these things. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me the faith with faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Could you imagine saying, man, I'm the worst sinner there is. But God had mercy on me. How many thank God for his mercy? This is Paul describing himself so that Christ Jesus could use me as the prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others would realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. So let's pray for just a moment. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, today for your mercy, your grace. We are so undeserved, Lord, of your grace. And Lord, we thank you, God, that you had mercy and grace on us. We pray today, God, that you'd open our hearts and our minds today 
to just receive the word of God. And Lord, let us open our hearts to you. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. Your word is relevant in 2021. And it has been relevant since the day, God, it was written. And so we know your word never fails, God, today. And so I pray today that you'll minister to every life that is here. I pray let them hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So without a doubt, when you get into this uh, scripture here, and when you think about Paul's life, he was a beneficiary of God's mercy and God's grace even though he came against the church of God. Now, if you know anything, I want to give you some context about Paul before I dive into this thing. He was a religious man. He was a Pharisee. He was a high-ranking Pharisee. He had status, and uh, among his peers, people looked up at him or looked up to him. He was an educated man. He had a zeal uh, for his religion or for the Jewish religion, And then the Lord touched his life, and he began to have a zeal and a passion for Christ. And he begins to communicate how uh, he was a persecutor of God, a persecutor of his church, and how God had mercy and changed his life. And I want to get into the book of Philippians here, because I want to kind of give you the context that Paul is now in some dire circumstances. He is in prison. Now, I want to say this to you because his goal in life <clears throat> was to go preach the gospel in Rome. He wanted to preach the gospel there because in Rome, there was a place, it was a place of influence. It was the epicenter of the world during that time. And it was commerce that went through there. there was a, it was the road to the world. It was a bigger picture to touch more lives. And he wanted to go to Rome... <clears throat> Excuse me, let me drink some tea here. <clears throat> I think we're getting a little bit of echo up here, just a little bit on the monitor, guys. I thank you for putting up the monitor, but now I feel like I'm, hello, hello, hello. Anyway, <laughs> so his dream was not to see the beauty of Rome, even though Rome was beautiful. It had a coliseum. It had many beautiful things, but his goal was to preach the gospel there. And Paul ends up in Rome, not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. He ends up being there in prison, and now he's under 24-hour surveillance. He's locked up. He's connected, or a Roman guard is there, and he's awaiting trial. Uh, uh, he's awaiting for his uh, judgment. They don't know, he doesn't know if he's going to die, if he's going to live. So month after month, as he's in this Roman prison... He is waiting his judgment, and if, if it would have been you and I, or if you would begin to think about Paul's life, he, you would think he would be filled with anxiety. You would think he would be filled with worry. Talk about injustice, right? He's waiting for judgment in a prison, uh, and he's been wrongfully accused, and he's waiting there in this prison cell, waiting to see what they're going to do and decide whether he's going to live or die, and so... I want to give you that context as we read the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. This is what it says. This is how he starts off this particular chapter. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Isn't that powerful? And he goes, and again, I say rejoice. Not only rejoice one, 
not only rejoice twice, but he's just saying again, rejoice in the Lord. Here's the guy that's in prison. Here's the guy that should be miserable. Here's the guy that should be feeling like, man, life had let him down. God had let him down. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Almost like he's hitting the devil in the eye, right? You know, you know a devil, your mama too, and your generation. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. This could be a post that you could put uh, on your Facebook. It could be a, 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 a I was going to say a tattoo, no more tattoos. You could put a t-shirt on or something. It's unbelievable how we can say that he could say rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. And again, when we say that, we want to say it in a timely manner around here, or in life, we don't want to hear rejoice when things are going bad, right? You ever, you ever been fixing a tire or your car got hit or somebody cried and somebody goes, rejoice in the Lord always. I go, I'll rejoice you right now. Amen. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice you. We don't want to hear it when it, it sounds annoying, but yet Paul is in a place where he shouldn't be rejoicing. And yet Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Really, Paul? I mean, really? I mean, rejoice even when you lose your job and you don't know how you're going to pay your rent. Rejoice when you can't make the car payment. Rejoice when you found out your spouse has been lying to you. Rejoice when your kids are doing, making decisions and you find out later that they've been doing things behind your back. Rejoice when you can't sleep at night because you got so much anxiety going on. Rejoice in the Lord always. And this is what Paul is saying. Again, out of this context, Paul is speaking to you and I to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's a pretty powerful statement coming from that man. And he said, let your gentleness be evident to all. What do you mean? Let your kindness be gentle. Because what? The Lord is near. And then he says this about worry. Don't be anxious or worried about anything, but in every situation, not just some, in every situation, by prayer and petition. In other words, instead of worrying about everything, you ought to be praying about everything. He says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He said, and the peace of God that transcends or surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mine and your mind in Christ Jesus. So he's saying when you begin to uh, begin to rejoice, when you begin to put, uh, address issues in prayer and be, and take your worries to God, he said then you're going to give thanksgiving in that, that God is going to give you such a peace that it's going to transcend, it's going to guard your heart. You know what guards your heart? When you begin to pray and when you begin to give God thanks. It'll guard your heart from becoming bitter. He said, don't be anxious. And here is Paul. He's rejoicing and he's locked up in prison. You would think he'd be upset. You would think he'd be mad. But instead, Paul has under pressure begins to give praise. Can you give praise under pressure? Can I tell you, you know a lot about a person when they're under pressure. If you get a sponge, you find out when you squeeze that sponge, there's a lot of things in that sponge. Everything comes out. When you see what really comes out of people when they're under pressure. The moment things begin to change, all of a sudden they begin to spew things out of their mouth. They begin to put things on Facebook. You ever see people, they put things on Facebook and they're indirectly talking about somebody else? And everybody knows who you're talking about? 
might as well put their name. Uh, well, so, you know, and they don't, they try to say, well, some people, we know who the some people is. So how do you praise God or do you praise God under pressure? Because it's easy to praise God when you're winning. It's easy to praise God when things are going your way. It's easy to praise God when things are happening, but can you praise God under pressure? And that's what I want to talk about, undeserved praise today. If you're looking for a title, it's undeserved praise. I want to be able to tell you today that even though we are undeserved, that God gives us grace and power to praise him even under pressure. See, I believe today that we need to change our perspective and we need to get a praise perspective. I said we need to get a praise perspective. What does that mean? Perspective simply means how you see something, how two people can look at something differently. You can have two opinions about something. In other words, when you interpret or you analyze something, there could be two different perspectives. There could be three or four different perspectives. People are seeing things differently. So Paul has the ability in this moment in his life while he's in prison, he has a different perspective. He is looking at things differently. And in fact, I would say he's got a praise perspective. We could be standing or looking at something that all of us could, and we could be analyze it and have a different perspective. And I have a few pictures. You might have seen these before, but I want to just kind of show you a, a different perspective. Now, here's this guy. He's saying, man, there's a boat. But the other guy is saying, there's land. See, two different perspectives, right? All depends which way you're looking from or what angle. Go ahead. The next one is, this is, this is a six. This guy's saying, this is six. No, the other guy said, no, this is a nine. It depends from what angle you're looking from. Here's another picture right here, and it depends what you see. Can you guys put that one up? There it is. And, and this picture, you could see the two, maybe two uh, older people or senior people looking at each other. But if you look carefully, you can see a guy with a guitar. Can you guys see that? And you can see the woman over here, and they're just kind of enjoying the time. It depends what you saw at first. It's all about perspective. You can put those pictures away. But what I'm saying to you is under pressure, we can see things two different ways. Do you see a problem or do you see an opportunity? And the word perspective comes from the Latin word perceive, and it actually means to look through. It means to look through it. See, I believe tonight or this morning, it's not just going through it. You need to grow through it. And can you look through it? Because it may look some way on the outside, but maybe something's happening on the inside. And Paul the apostle had this ability at a praise perspective. He was a servant of God and he could look at a situation and even at face value, it may not look good. It may look pretty bad, but somehow he was able to rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to have a little bit of more tea. Can I do that? See, when I look at Paul's life, I could have looked at a different perspective. A lot of us could have had the wrong perspective. When I look at Paul's life, he could have said, man, I feel like giving up. 
Man, I've been preaching the gospel. I've been doing all of this. uh, And now I find myself in prison for doing what is right. And he could have had a wrong perspective. How could I function? He could have said, you know what? I'm going to give up on my my dreams to crush. My ministry is over. You know, I I don't know how I'm actually going to do this and go forward. And Paul, the apostle, uh, could have said, I'm giving up. I'm quitting. This is not what I signed up for. I, I didn't realize all this was going to happen and we could read maybe the WP version and see what the WP version of the Bible says. Now, you know what the WP version is? How many have ever heard of the NIV, the KG, K, KJV, and now it's the WPV? I want to read the WPV, okay? The wrong perspective version, okay? And it could have sound something like this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what's happened to me really sucks. My God let me down. I am overwhelmed with anxiety and depression and hopelessness. Not about worry and pray about everything. And because of the hell that I've been through, I'm quitting and giving up ministry and I'm never going back to church. How many have ever read that version? How many have ever recited that in your own mind? And you've read and you've written your own WP version, right? The wrong perspective version. Uh, we look at our situation. It's bad. I, I, you know what? It's upsetting. Uh, it can't get any worse. How can I function? I don't know what to do. And it's all about perspective. It's all about how you see it. It's all about how you interpret it. And Paul the apostle had the ability uh, and he said, you know what? This is a bad situation when we're not minimizing the bad situation. But he looked at it through a praise perspective perspective rather than a problem perspective rather than a depressing perspective and and look at what it says here in Philippians chapter 1 verse 19 for I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me this will lead what to my deliverance for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue what to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past And I trust that my life, what, will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. In other words, whether I'm living for Christ, I'm going to honor God. And when I die, I'm going to honor God. And he says this, for me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Wow. And there's another version. This is real version in KJV. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's saying, I'm fine either way. I win either way. He goes, for me to live is Christ. Uh, that's one perspective. And to die, I've even gained even more. Uh, I'm doing a lot better if I die. Most of us say, if I'm dead, uh, it's no good. I mean, Paul said, you know what? I have a perspective that when I live, I'm going to honor Christ. Uh, I'm going to live for Jesus. Uh, I'm going to be bold. Uh, and when I die, I'm going to gain heaven. I'm going to be in the presence of God. And it's all going to be worth it. Philippians 1.22 said, Now, if I'm going on living in this body, this will mean productive work for me. Yet I don't know which I prefer. Because I don't know whether to live or die. If I live, man, I'm going to be more productive for the kingdom. But when I die, I know where I'm going. Paul had a perspective that most people today don't have. 
And yet Paul is waiting for a final verdict about his life. He's waiting what's going to happen to him. He's in a situation of uncertainty. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die in the next day or in the next week. But it didn't matter to him. He was able in that situation, in that circumstance, to give God praise. Under that pressure, he was giving God the praise and the honor. Under pressure, what do we do? amazing what people do they'll stop coming to church they'll stop answering the phone they'll stop responding to text all of a sudden they block you you can't send them any more messages why because they're depressed they don't want anyone from church all of a sudden now the church is harassing them before the church was loving them but now they call it harassment Uh, they're harassing me people calling me people love you they care about your life when they when they become aware amen they begin to care Right? They see what's happening in your life. They want to find out. They want to pray for you. And then we say, oh, yeah, people getting me my business. Uh, before, you didn't mind people praying over your business. But now you don't want people in your business. I'm just, I'm just preaching this morning. And so in this situation, Paul, it, 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 you know, what I love about Paul is when he starts the book of Philippians, uh, he says, I'm a servant of God. And he begins to talk about the opportunity that God has given them in the prison. I'm going to read it in just a moment. And he talks about how the fact that he's in prison has actually advanced the gospel. Now, what he doesn't say is he doesn't complain. He doesn't start his letter with complaining about his condition in prison. He doesn't say, man, life is miserable. Oh, man, I can't believe the food is no good. He doesn't say any of those things. He's not complaining. He's not telling the Philippian church things are bad. Right now, things are uncertain. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he really models for us some confidence in the face of uncertainty. And this is the lesson that we all can learn. In the face of uncertainty, are we confident or are we losing faith? Are we, you know, are we, are we posting our condition on TikTok? Man, things are so bad. Man, you know what? Is he writing a letter, you know? And when, when, think about this. This is the letter to the Philippian church. Man, it, it took months, a long time before the Philippians would ever see this letter. And yet in that letter, he just talked about rejoicing. He talked about the advancing. And I mean, when, when letters got to you, it was slow mail. I mean, slower than the U.S. post office. I mean, it was slow, right? But he's saying uh, we're going to rejoice in the Lord always. So I want you to read here Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Look at what it says, the very first chapter. That, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. In other words, there's something good in the fact that I've been in prison. Something good has happened. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard. In other words, if people have found out everywhere, man, word is out. Word down the street. And to everyone else that I'm in prison for Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the brothers and sisters, what, have become confident in the Lord. So because I'm in prison, it's caused other people to have some boldness. 
And it says, uh, 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 have become confident and dare all to proclaim the gospel without fear. Uh, so what has actually happened, he said, my imprisonment, my situation, my uncertainty has caused the gospel to be advanced and has stirred the hearts of other people. And now the gospel is being preached and people are hearing it because what you see on the outside is not what's happening on the inside. Even though you don't see it, he's working. Even though you don't feel it, he's at work. Can you say amen? There are certain things that are apparent on the surface, but you don't actually see what's happening. See, sometimes what you see in the physical realm is not actually what's happening in the spiritual realm. And so Paul was saying, physically right now, I'm in prison and I'm locked up and I can't do anything. But physically speaking, you may say I'm in prison and I can't go beyond the walls. But I want you to know in the spiritual realm, the gospel is being advanced and people are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, how many of us this morning, amen, when things are tough, when things don't look good, are able to press in and able to press forward and not collapse under pressure? This was Paul, despite the severe things that were happening in his life. And I'm going to get a little, can I drink a little bit more of this? <clears throat> Sorry. All right. Hallelujah. How many of you have ever you actually gone to the gym for a few weeks? Not just one day, you know. <laughs> you ever see those people the first day they go to the gym? I'm at the gym. I said, you know, show me that in three months, okay? Don't don't give me the, the first day at the gym thing. You know, we're gonna see it at the beginning of the year, right? Like I'm at the gym working out. Ooh, look at that. Dude like day one can you tell me like you know day 30 or day 60 when you're still there working out i mean come on that's not impressed i'm not impressed with day one i'm not even impressed with day two i mean i want to see somebody there really consistently showing up but anyway and then when they have to take pictures and show off that's kind of a little overcompensation but that's another story so here we here what i want to bring out to you is that uh, sometimes in the midst, if you're really working out, now that's what I was trying to say. If you're really working out, how many know when you're working out, you don't look your best? I mean, you're sweaty, you know. And have you ever met someone that after they worked out in the gym, I mean, really worked out, not just, you know, talking to people and taking photos, but they're actually worked out. They did some weightlifting. Maybe they, they ran on the treadmill. And, man, have you ever seen somebody at the gym, when, you know, somebody you know, and they're coming out, man, red, their face is red. They're sweating. Their hair is kind of undone. You know, they, they've been, they, they look a mess. They don't look their best but they're getting something done. See, in your mess, something's happening. I said, some in your mess, sometimes you can look your best. Can you say amen? It may not be the prettiest part of your life, but it could probably be the most productive part of your life. See, I believe the biggest miracles in your life will come in the biggest mess of your life. This is exactly what's happening with Paul. He's in the biggest mess. He's in prison. But the greatest miracles of God are happening because people are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul doesn't give us the condition of his prison. He doesn't 
doesn't say he's lacking food. He doesn't say I'm lacking resources. He doesn't complain about his situation. He doesn't say the food is bad. Like, you know, Nacho Libre, I've been having diarrhea for Easter's. You know, none of that stuff. This guy here, he's not talking about how it's overcrowded. He's not talking about how loud it is and how cold the floor is. He's not moaning and groaning. He's not saying, woe is me and all of these things. But he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. See, I wonder at this point in his life, had he learned to get his priorities straight? You know, I'm praying this morning as the longer you become a believer, the more you begin to shift your priorities and your perspective begins to change. I'm always astounded how guys have been saved for so long and your perspective hasn't changed. You still look at things the same way. You still look at situations uh, instead of saying, it's not what's happening to me, it's what's happening in me. See, I'm not so concerned with what's happening to people. I'm more concerned with what's happening in people. Because the moment things start shifting around, man, they, they all of they start reacting. They get mad at people. They get upset. They start posing. Say, no, you know what? I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not concerned with what's happening to you. I'm, some, I'm concerned with what's happening in you. I wonder why you're reacting that way. I wonder why these external situations and events have really shaken your foundation and your faith. Somehow, here we see Paul, he, all of these things would have shaken his life, but yet somehow Paul gets past all of that. And he's telling us about how to rejoice. He's not telling us how bad prison life is. He's not talking about his time there. He's not emphasizing how long he's been locked up, how unjustly things are. He doesn't mention any of those things, but he's focusing on the kingdom. What you focus on right now determines whether you'll go forward or not. Or whether you're going to repeat the same old dead routine in your life. What are you going to do? How are you going to focus? Are you going to shift your focus? Are you going to shift your priority? Are you going to shift your perspective? Because many times uh, we we allow these situations and these circumstances uh, to bring us down. And and, and we got to understand that there's a lot of situations in life uh, that, you know what, sometimes God's trying to teach you something in that circumstance. I'm not saying God caused it. But he can cause some good things to come out of it. God's presence is not limited to a physical location. God's presence is, is, can come right where you are. Could it be that in prison that, that the presence of God was the greatest in Paul's life? That in that prison cell, that that's where he got more a hold of God than any other place. Could it be? As your life changes, listen to me, God's word doesn't change. But I believe your perspective needs to change. Let me say that again. As as your life changes, God's word doesn't change, but your perspective should change. The more you're a Christian, the longer you've been saved, the greater your perspective, and you ought to get past a lot of things that are not essential in your life. There's some things that shouldn't matter, yet they do. You worry about what other people say. Really, you're not over that yet? You can't please everybody. God can't even please everybody. I mean, some people, you know, they wanted the Cowboys to win. Some people wanted the Raiders to win. I wanted neither to win, but 
course, the Raiders won, you know, Burley. I mean, like that. They, they won. They thought they won the Super Bowl. Look at that. They think they won the Super Bowl. They're not going nowhere, but, you know, it's, it's the way it is. But anyway, it's perspective, matter of perspective. You guys, you know, uh, uh, you know, you got hope and all that. That's okay. Gonna, the Raiders are going to let you down. I'm just going to tell you right now. First, Philippians. Wow, why am I even talking about them? So he says here, Philippians chapter 1, verse 22, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me. He said, all that's happened to me, all this bad stuff that has, has actually happened to, to serve and advance the gospel. That's what he's saying. He goes, throughout the whole palace guard, everyone else, because I'm in prison, everybody's hearing the gospel. So he's saying this bad situation that I'm in prison, he's saying, man, it has advanced the gospel, and he's giving God praise. He's giving God glory. He's not complaining. He's not looking at his situation as bad. And friends, sometimes when we go through things, we ought to say, well, you know what? Things aren't turning out the way, but my God has never forsaken me. Anything formed against me shall not prosper. All things are going to work out for the good to those that love God. Can you say amen? Therefore, I got to praise God a little bit. I got to give God the glory. See, Paul was able to do that for as long as he was in prison. He was able to give God praise. And, and think about this. They, they, he had no idea when he was going to come out. He had no idea what was going to turn out. In fact... What, what they would do is that every eight hours, there would be another Roman guard. They would switch uh, guards on him. And so he was able to preach uh, from one Roman guard to another. And he said, man, this is an opera. I praise God that I'm here because I'm preaching and ministering and witnessing to more guards than ever. And now the whole palace guard. So he was able to get a praise perspective even when it looked like, man, I shouldn't be praising God at all. There's a story I want to kind of read you just a little bit of Corey Ken Boom and her sister. They were in a concentration camp and uh, they, um, they were in some dreadful conditions. If you guys have never read the book, The Hiding Place, it's a tremendous book about these two sisters and their faith. And uh, the, they were in a woman's labor camp. They were in the dorms there and there were cram, cram conditions. Uh, there were three... Um, you know, the barracks were like three high and, and what they, they slept in hay as, as, as the mattress. And they were in these cramped conditions, sanitation conditions were, uh, really bad. They were, they were filled with lice and infested with fleas. And Corey was just, well, I don't know how we can do this. And so uh, her sister Betsy told her, we, we just need to give thanks in all circumstances for everything. And she said, so how am I going to give God praise for the filth of fleas and lice? He goes, how can we even give God praise for that? He goes, you can, give praise, you can praise God for everything, her sister said. So several weeks later, one of the supervisors was called in to the barracks to view, to view it. But they overheard the supervisor saying, no, I'm not going in there because of the fleas and the lice. And she remembered that, uh, uh, Corey Kim, Ten Boom remembered that her sister had told her that we should praise God for the fleas. And she realized it was because of the fleas and the light that they had more freedom to pray. 
They had more freedom to meet together in the barracks. That's why most of the captives or, or the guards and the supervisors would not bother them in the barracks when they were there reading the Bible and praying because of the lice and the fleas. So she said, you can praise God in all circuits. You can even praise God for the fleas and the lice in your life. Yeah, nobody clapping, but that's okay. <laughs> See, you can look at every situation. It could be bad or you could get a praise perspective. Paul was saying, you know what? I look at this situation and in the midst of it, I could see God at work. Paul had a prison record. Let me just tell you, it wasn't for crimes. It was for preaching. Now, some of you got a prison record and we don't want to know about it right now, okay? Because we know it wasn't for preaching, most of you. But in Acts chapter 16, the Bible says that he is in prison at another time before he comes to Rome. He's in prison in Acts chapter 16. And I'll give you a little bit of background there. He's there and him and Silas are on their way to a prayer group. They're on their way to a prayer meeting, maybe a connect group, maybe to church. And as they're walking, they're annoyed by this uh, uh, this young girl that is following them and kind of uh, pestering them and annoying them. And so finally, Paul gets tired of this young girl and he casts the devil out of her. Bible says she gets set free. Well, she was a fortune teller. She was a fortune teller for these for this business, and now all of a sudden, now she can't tell fortunes no more. The devil came out of her, so it causes a riot in the whole place. Man, a whole mob comes and and gets around them and begins to beat them up and and throw them and strip them of everything and strip them of their clothes. In fact, the Bible says in Acts sixteen twenty two, uh, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul in Silas. And the authorities ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Can you imagine? You did something good. You cast the devil out of somebody and they're beating you with rods and they're stripping them. Now, and a lot of us this morning, you may not be stripped from your clothes, but some of you have been stripped of your faith. Some of you have been stripped of your confidence. And so these guys, they're beaten, and you would think they would be mad and upset. If you could just visualize this, they're thrown in prison. Their nose probably is broken. They probably have broken ribs. They're, they're not feeling very well, you know, and, and all of a sudden they're thrown in prison. And this is what actually happens. In, at midnight, I'm just going to give you a spoiler alert before we read the story. But they, at midnight, they decide they're going to just have a worship service. They said, you know what, we, we ought to just have worship service. We, you just got beaten. You just got, you know, uh, you're, you, you almost lost your life. A mob came around you and beat you up. And they go, you know what, we're just going to have a... It's kind of equivalent if you and I have got some bad news and you decided you're going to worship God. Hey, honey, I just, I just lost my job. You know, we ought, we ought to have just a worship service tonight. Then. Hey, honey, I found out I got cancer. Let's worship God. Hey, honey, this situation happened in my life. You know, I just found out my kid, my young kid, he's on drugs. We're going to have a worship service. That's kind of what it's equivalent to because they decided to get a praise perspective, not a depression perspective. Can you say amen? Let's be honest. As much as there's wrong in the world, there's a lot of right going on. And if we focus on just the wrong and not the right, you're going to be depressed. There's a lot of things you can praise God for. 
I, I talked about gratitude last week, but I want to read you this. I read you this before, but I want to read this to you because sometimes we can look at a situation and say it's so bad that there's nothing to praise God for, and yet here is, is Paul and Silas. They've been beaten by a mob. They've been stripped, and then they decide they're going to have a worship service because there's still something to praise God about anyway. And so let me read you this. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than a million who will not survive this week. If you've never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pains of starvation, you are ahead of 20 million people around the world. If you attend a church meeting without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are more blessed than 3 billion people in the world. Now listen to this. If you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the world. 75%. You're ahead of 75% of the world right now. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, spare change somewhere, you are among the top 8% richest people in the world. If your parents are still married and alive, especially in this country, you are more blessed than most people around the world. If you can read, you are more blessed than over 2 billion people in the world that cannot read anything at all. You are more blessed than you ever are. They've ever thought you are today. We're doing better than we deserve. How many can say amen? We're doing better than we deserve. There's always something to praise God about. And so the Bible says that these guys, they come into this prison cell and they decide that they're going to praise God. Verse 25 of Acts 16, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and all the prisoners were listening to them. Let me just tell you something. When you praise God, people are listening. When you go through trials and battles, people are watching you. People are seeing how you handle the pressure. You say you're a Christian, but are you complaining like everybody else? This pandemic, is. are you just praising God? Said, you know what? I'm going to get a praise perspective. I'm, I'm going to just thank God. You know what? I'm not going to complain about every situation, all these different things. I know we don't like everything that's going on, but you know what? I'm not going to complain. This is what Paul and Silas said. We're going to praise God about midnight. They begin to praise God. Uh, they said, you know what? Uh, things may be bad, uh, but we're not dead. Uh, if we're not dead, we're not done. How many can say amen? Uh, people are watching how we do things. Uh, and they begin to praise God, not for what God has done, but who God is. Because remember, no prison cell had opened yet. God hadn't broken the chains off of them. Nothing had happened yet. No supernatural power of God had happened yet. They just knew they were going to start praising God. Now, I can imagine there's Paul at midnight. Maybe Silas was still asleep, and he wakes up and goes, Hey, Silas. And maybe, you know, he didn't, you know, call him by a nickname. Hey, Sal. You know how you call your friend's nickname. Hey, Sal. Get up, man. You know what? Let's just have a worship service right now. Man, dude, I just woke up. Just get up. Come on. We're going to praise God. Come on. We got our hands. We can clap. And they begin to worship God. Bible says prisoners were listening to them. 
And we know the story. All of a sudden, the change came off. Uh, amen. The prison cell doors were open because somebody in the midst of their bad times, uh, in the midst of their situation, realized, you know what? I'm going to get a praise perspective. And when you get a praise perspective, people get set free. Lives get changed. Uh, the power of God is demonstrated. Now, I want to say this to you. Paul knew that God could set him free. Now, now later on, he's in the book of the uh, Philippians, and he's writing that from that prison cell, and he's writing the book of Philippians. He knew the supernatural power of God had set him free before. He knew that. Okay, he knew all that, but that wasn't happening here. Now he's in prison again. Paul was in prison several different times. We don't even know all the amount of times he was in prison. But he knew what God could do before. But guess what? God wasn't breaking him out this time. But you know what? He was still praising God. Didn't change his perspective. See, a lot of times we just praise God. Well, God, you need to do it again. If we do it again, I'll praise you. But if you don't, well, then I'm mad. See, can you praise God when things are good and when things are bad? Can you praise God when bondages aren't broken? Can you praise God when things aren't happening your way? Can you praise God not for what he's done, but for who he is? Somebody give God praise today, man. We've, we've got to. We're doing better than we deserve. We're servants of God. We're doing better than we deserve. And we ought to have some praise in our hearts for who he is today. So I want us to bow our heads for just a moment. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you, Lord, today for the people of God that are in this place that you'll reach across this room right now. Change our perspective. We, we, need, we need a different perspective, God. We're doing better than we deserve. God, today, there's so many things, God. We're so undeserving of your grace and your goodness. And yet sometimes, God, we find ourselves so entitled to complain, to gripe, to moan, when in actuality, God, we're doing a lot better than we deserve. So, Father, I pray today, reach across this room, touch every life, those that are watching online right now, minister to their lives. But if you're in this room right now, I don't want to go forward without giving you an opportunity today. If you're in this room, somebody brought you even listening online, or you came on your own today, I want to just tell you today that there's a God in heaven that loves you and cares about your life. And maybe you've had one of those perspectives. Can I tell you why? You've had the wrong perspective because you don't know the Lord is your Savior. When you give your life to Jesus, He changes your perspective. When you give your life to Christ, He changes the way you look at things. He's greater. Greater is He that's in you than He that is in the world, friend. He changes the way you look at things. That is the God that we serve today. And if you're in this room, maybe you came on your own, maybe someone invited you but you've never given your heart to Christ you've never surrendered your life to Jesus today you say pastor I need the Lord in my life today I, I need Christ in my life I want God in my life whoever you are whoever you are today I don't want to pass this opportunity today I want to give you the opportunity to receive the Lord in your life you'd raise your hand and say pastor I need the Lord in my life right I need God in my life would you raise your hand is there anyone at all anyone at all just say that's me pastor i need jesus in my life just raise your hand all over this room just raise your hand and say pastor i need the lord today
Would you pray for me? I need Jesus in my life. Maybe today you're walking with God, but you're away from God right now. You need to come back to the Lord. You need to rededicate your life to Jesus. You'd raise your hand and say, that's me. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord right now. Is there anyone at all? Say, that's me. That's me. That's me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, why don't we stand together? You know what? We need to get a praise perspective today. There's a lot of things today that, you know, maybe aren't going your way. You're not winning in every area. But you know what? You need to change your perspective. Maybe even as you look at the holidays and Thanksgiving, you just got through that. Now you're looking through Christmas. Maybe there's somebody missing at the table. Maybe somebody's not going to be there this year that was there last year. Maybe there's just a lot of different things. I understand all of that. I may not feel everything you feel, but I understand it. I understand loss. I understand brokenness. I understand when things aren't working the way. But I also understand that when you give your life to Jesus, He changes your perspective. And even in the midst of things that don't look good, God can create something good, cause something good to come out of you bad. Paul was able to say it, man. I'm in prison, but you know what? The gospel is being advanced. The gospel is being advanced. Lives are being changed. And so whatever, wherever you're at, God today wants to change your perspective. So I'm going to open up the altar today. We're going to worship, and maybe there's some things you need to change your perspective on today. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.